Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor, go give us a baller ratings on iTunes because it helps a bunch. In fact, we're starting to do some shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read a new five-star rating verbatim each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want. But keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. For this podcast, we have Big Jack Heart Attack, who uh, rated us five stars. Uh, he said, James Intracasso's optimistic and positive style is refreshing in a podcast genre filled with snark and sarcasm. His interview shows are also very good. Well, thanks a lot, Big Jack Heart Attack. And I know that sounded snarky and sarcastic, but I truly mean it. Thank you very much for giving us this shout-out. Remember, we want to hear from you. Make me say anything. Last week, somebody made me say, Beholder's Got Nards. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about D&D in virtual reality and some upcoming hints about D&D storylines from Chris Perkins. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What's your favorite virtual reality game? Greg Blair, let's start with you. I'm going to have to go with what I hope will be my favorite virtual reality game. I am so pumped about uh, EVE Valkyrie. Which, if you ever watched Babylon 5, really makes me think of little fighters in Babylon 5. <laughs> it, it makes me want to buy a computer to play the game. Because well, obviously what I have can't play it. Oh, and Inoculus or whatever. Who cares? I just, I just want to be in Babylon 5. Awesome. And that's what, that's what that game can do for me. And that's what that game can do for me, I think. <laughs> nice, nice. So we have one vote for Babylon 5, the VR experience. Uh, Alex Basso, what's your favorite VR game? To be honest, I haven't really been following VR too much, so I don't know like what's coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first good Star Wars game where I can hold a lightsaber and uh, you know actually like block lasers or something, that'll be, that'll be my favorite easily. Nice, nice. And of course, we do all have Star Wars fever currently because we are moments, mere hours. You can count oh, yeah. hours away. Maybe in a couple of weeks that uh, that opinion will change. Let's see how the movie does. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and Topher Cohen, uh, what about you? What is your favorite VR game? So uh, I actually play a VR game on my iPhone called Hometown Zombie VR. Um, if you have one of the Google Cardboard or a Google Cardboard compatible device. You can play it via it, and it plays kind of fun. I have one that looks like a Viewmaster. Dude, that's what I was going to say. The, the Viewmaster ones are so cool. But they're they're wickedly cool. They're wickedly cool. It's um, the, I wish it had a strap. Beyond that, it's... The nostalgia is insane with that. It's, yeah. it's fantastic, and it's like cheap. You can get it on Amazon for like 20 bucks. And yeah. if you get it on Amazon, you should go to the Tome Show site and click the link when you shop on Amazon because it helps the show and the site out. So you should do that. Uh, so <laughs> nice, that's what nice. I would do. Well uh, that's played. what everyone. Uh, I really want. I'm at I'm Alex. I want to see a good Star Wars one where maybe not. I'm not a lightsaber. But maybe I'm flying a ship or I'm using force push or crush or something. That'd be cool. But yeah, that's what I'm playing right now. 
Nice, nice. Well, all of these sound really awesome, and of course we'll link them over in the show notes. Uh, we don't have an announcement about a Star Wars game yet, but as soon as we do, we'll also link that up over at the Tome Show. Fine, I'm sure it'll be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why are we talking about Dungeons & Dragons and virtual reality? Well, the reason we're talking about VR is because... You probably have been sleeping under a rock if you haven't seen this D&D news yet. You can play Dungeons & Dragons in virtual reality. A company called Altspace VR uh, is working with Wizards of the Coast to make some officially licensed uh, D&D VR stuff. Looks like you've got an interactive game table. You can move tokens around. You can roll dice. You can see your character sheet in front of you. Looks really, really cool. There's a ton of videos of this online. We will, of course, link it over at thetomeshow.com. But I want to know, what do you guys think of this? What are your opinions kind of overall? Now, Rudy Basso, brother of Alex Basso, was supposed to join us today, and he was not able to at the last minute. But he did send us a message that I want to play. Rudy, of course, is also one of the hosts of the D&D V&G podcast on this very podcast network. Uh, so his opinion is one that is uh, well qualified to be here at the roundtable. So we are going to play that for you right now. Guys, it's Rudy. I just wanted to talk really quickly on this announcement that Wizards of the Coast is partnering with Altspace VR to bring Dungeons & Dragons to virtual reality. And there's really two things I wanted to say. First off, virtual reality is very niche right now. It's a premium kind of hardware piece. It's very expensive. And I don't necessarily see many Dungeons & Dragons players actually using this kind of hardware for five years. I mean, the headsets themselves are expensive, but having a system that can run the headsets is very expensive. I think Oculus's recommended specs totaled maybe $1,500. So while it's really neat, it's really not something that I see myself using for a while. Um, to be honest, not being able to see another person's face really takes away after having used Roll20 for so long. I feel like that seeing each other really adds to the experience of playing remotely. It's, it's the closest thing I've ever had to playing at a table. And if you're all using VR headsets, then guess what? You're not going to be seeing each other's faces because you're going to have this big goofy thing on your head. The other thing I wanted to bring up that's always bothered me is that Wizards of the Coast is once again going in with a company that isn't necessarily tested. Now, Allspace VR has over $10 million in seed funding and obviously is going to be a big thing, I guess, in the VR space. But I still, I'm just, I, I don't understand Wizards of the Coast's usage of the Dungeons & Dragons brand. Dungeons & Dragons, it's a household name. If you ask your mom, chances are she'll at least recognize what it is. Uh, she may not know what an RPG is, but she'll still know the name Dungeons & Dragons. Why aren't Wizards of the Coast reaching out to, like, EA, who've just made a bazillion dollars on this new Star Wars game, or even Ubisoft, just one of these other big players that have this talent that can do something really unique with a license? Um, that's just my complaining, my guy on the internet complaining, though. I, I got my fingers crossed this won't turn out to be another dud like Dungeonscape and Sword Coast Legends. Don't buy Sword Coast Legends. Uh, turned out to be, but I know for certain that I am going to be waiting until I have concrete reviews of uh, alt alt space VR until I uh, I don't know download it or pay for it or whatever. So thanks. I hope 
Alex and Greg agree with me. I'm going to guess Alex disagrees with me because Alex loved disagreeing with me. So let's listen and find out. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Rudy Basso, a uh, strong opinion. Uh, one that I think is actually held by, by many, many people. Certainly cool to see all of this online. Um, but, you know, I think he has every right to be skeptical. Uh, Greg, what are your thoughts? I'm so confused. <laughs> Much like Rudy. I just I just wanted a lap mm-hmm. that, that has my things in it, you know, that's better than DDI. <laughs> I don't I don't want this. I have roll twenty. Like did they not look at the market at all and see what existed and see, hey, you know, maybe this really not that great looking VR solution isn't where we should focus our efforts. Which I guess hey, they're not focusing their efforts, they just gave their name to something, but I just, why? Why? <laughs> you know, it is funny that you bring up Roll20 because that is true. Roll20 is an amazing product that you can play D&D with a bunch of people. Or with. Fantasy Grounds. Yeah. Or- yeah, and Fantasy Grounds <laughs> also working with Wizards of the Coast, right, to to make uh, official D&D licensed That's stuff a very good that point. you can buy through Fantasy Grounds. So what is the niche this fills, I think, is a, a really, really good question. Alex Basso, what about you? What do you think of D&D and VR? Uh, I don't understand why they need to be, like, on the cutting edge of this technology. That's my kind of biggest confusion. Uh, like, no one, I can't imagine anyone who likes playing Dungeons and & Dragons and, you know, probably isn't that much into computers will go out and spend, you know, up to $2,000 to get equipment to do this. Uh, it just seems insane. Like, that's, people who pick up VR are not really going to be looking to play D&D with it. Uh, it won't be selling Oculus Rifts, you know, the D&D experience. So it's very confusing to me. I mean, it looks cool. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that really bothered me just watching the videos is, like, the actual avatars. Mm. Uh, they're just, like, those very basic blocks. You know, I, playing at a table with friends is nice. But, you know, playing at a table and not being able to see people's faces, uh, you know, isn't really much of an improvement. Than uh, you know, just looking at web. You know, it's actually. I would say it's not an improvement. I'd rather look at webcams of my friends than uh, blocks that don't have expressions, even though we're situated in a table. Yeah, how much creepier would it be though if they put the webcam on the avatars, like in the VR space? I was thinking about that. I you know I don't care if it's creepy and weird looking. I'll take it. <laughs> I I agree with you hundred percent though. This is a killer app for nothing. Not for VR, and certainly not for D&D. It's, it's not killing anybody. Yeah, yeah, like you said, Alex, I don't know that it's necessarily going to help move uh, VR at all, uh, except for, I guess, super-duper rich people who know other super-duper rich people who want to play D&D in a VR space. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right, Greg. It's not really going to help D&D at all because the technology is going to be so expensive that... Uh, People people already have a way of doing it for free. They can hop on Roll20 and play with other people online and bring in all kinds of art and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it does seem very strange to me that, that this is the way they're going. But it also does seem really cool. Uh, Topher, what are your thoughts about this? i, I got to agree with everybody else. I'm not quite sure. I'm scratching my head. There's so many other things they could be putting their weight behind. There's lots of good third-party uh, virtual characters. Uh, you know, 
portable character sheets, like electronic character sheets and character creators that they could get behind and, you know, give official credence, quote unquote, to. Um, as you guys spoke about the, you know, they are uh, the official virtual tabletop for uh, Ventures League or organized play is Fantasy Ground. And you know, they're doing a all online con sometime soon for that. You know, why not put that, why not, you know, just saturate that market and go with Roll20 and make, you know, make official stuff available there for us to pick up and purchase. It just seems like this is a little bit of a, a, a head scratcher. You, I have a really really good computer and running the virtual spaces like that, even without Oculus is just, it bogs my system down pretty heavily. So I don't understand who their market is. Is this another one of those moments where they're not, they're purposely, I don't know, purposely or unpurposely not wanting to market to the people who already play D and D and they're trying to open this up to a, a new crowd, a new audience that maybe isn't right now, tabletop players and that, but they're really into the VR and cutting edge technology, so they try to you know open up to them. I'm not really sure. It's um, a little confusing to me, and uh, I I don't it's I I don't see this going anywhere. I see VR being multiple years away. Has Oculus for home use been released yet? No, not yet. No, see, so uh, let's see one next Q1, year. One right? Yeah. So let's see when that comes out and what the specs really are and how the adoption is. It seems a little bit like you know um you know the uh. Uh, a play method that isn't needed. So I'm, I personally hope they're not putting a lot of time and effort behind this. I hope it really is just a license of the name. That's yeah, I mean, thought. that's so the only way this makes sense to me, right? Because I don't, I don't see the business case at all here, right? I think in in I don't know a year, two years, something like that, where the tech is more proven out and. The system specs have come up, right? Like that's the that's kind of one of the selling points of of Oculus, right? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Maybe a system to run it really nicely would cost a lot now, but that number just goes down, right? For a quality VR experience with Oculus, the the cost of a system that makes it good just goes down from here. Um, I really think that someone at Wizards saw this or. Uh, the company contacted some folks at Wizards, and they're like, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, this is like, let's slap your name on it. That's cool. We'll work with something that's already there. They cherry-picked it. But, because, I mean, other than that, I don't, like I said, I don't get it. I, I think anybody who's a fan of the book and the soon-to-be Steven Spielberg movie, movie um, Ready Player One, mm. likes the concept of an immersive world. But I want it not as if I'm, I want it more like, a better version of second life where I'm not virtually sitting around a table with my friends. I'm playing my character. I'm Jimmy of the page in this virtual world and we're questing and doing adventures and such that I can get my head behind is a VR world, but the ability to just virtually sit around the table, I'd rather have a virtual tabletop. You mean a, a regular virtual tabletop? Yeah, not exactly. A virtual, yeah, yeah, yeah. virtual tabletop. Not a, <laughs> Yeah, not, not an immersive virtual tabletop. I, mean, I, I think Rudy said it. I'm all about, you know, with now with Google Plus and with, you know, how cheap bandwidth is and, and uh, webcams are so good that I feel like I'm sitting in the same room with people I'm playing over a traditional virtual tabletop. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how many people actually jump on. I saw a lot of buzz of like, oh, this is so cool. This is so cool, blah, blah. But how many people are actually going to jump on? Or is this thing going to go the way of? 
virtual boy. Well, we want to know what you people out there think, so find us over at thetomeshow.com in the show notes for this episode or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow and let us know what you think. Uh, Moving on to our second topic, one Chris Perkins, who is known as the uh, story director for uh, Wizards of the Coast for Dungeons & Dragons. Um, You certainly know his name if you've listened to this podcast. Great dude. He was on the Gaming and BS podcast, uh, recorded at a seminar in Gamehole Con, um, and... He dropped a few hints about some upcoming D&D storylines and products. A lot of this is stuff that we've already heard. Um, You know, they're planning on continuing to put story before mechanics. They're going to create mechanics for the stories they need, not the other way around. Um, You know, they talked about how they're going to continue to put out content slowly and they're not planning on overloading us with tons and tons of crunch material um they're also planning on some you know new things in the future uh the first three storylines we've seen tyranny of dragons rage of demons and princes of the apocalypse all had adventures that players from levels 1 through 15. They're talking about changing up that model. They're talking about seeing more world books like the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. They're still saying that they're going to leave the Forgotten Realms at some point. We know that there is a uh, two adventures they're working on now, codenamed Cloak and codenamed Dagger. Um, and we won't get a lot of news about them, usually until closer to their release, because they like having the malleability and the ability to f- change things on the fly and switch storylines around and, and that kind of thing. Um, so there's a ton, a ton of information. We linked uh, to an article that the site Merrick's Musings uh, put up, run by Merrick Blackman. Uh, it's a great site. You guys should check it out. Um, this in particular, Merrick really breaks down the podcast. He's got bullet points for practically everything. So if you don't want to listen to the podcast, uh, you can read the stuff here. Greg. Yeah, just as a side note, thank you very much to Merrick Blackman because this this might be incredibly ironic and perhaps even hypocritical, but I actually much prefer reading. Mm. <laughs> listening and watching videos and I, I and here I am talking on a podcast. Uh, I don't know. Yell at me for it. I don't know. But this guy did a great job of breaking down the talking points. It's a really long podcast and I very much appreciated the yeah. summary and analysis that he provided. Yeah, he also does a ton of reviews of all of the Wizards of the Coast products that come out and he has a list on his website of every 5e adventure that has been published that he knows of, um, including a ton of free adventures that you can find and download. Um, so you should definitely go check out his site, and you should definitely check out the podcast. Uh, Gaming and BS Podcast is, is a great podcast, so you should check them out, listen to them, uh, and go from there. So, But yeah, thank you very much, Merrick Blackman. This was very helpful, especially when I needed to go back and reference things. I I didn't need to take notes because you already did. So thanks. Um, so anyway, I want to know, uh, you know, this is massive, massive, massive thing. And we certainly don't have time to uh, break down everything in this podcast. You know, we're not the serial on serial podcast or anything like that. Uh, but I do want to know, what did you guys think? What was in here that you were excited to hear and that maybe surprised you a little bit? And uh, let's start with you, Greg. I think probably the thing that excites me the most is 
actually sort of a, a meta commentary on their approach. Um, you know, uh, we're going to get different settings at different times. I actually feel probably the most hopeful that we're going to see different things than maybe we had in the past. Maybe we'll get Dragonlance eventually, maybe we'll get Dark Sun, you know, get some planescape in there, something like that. It does seem like even though we're focusing a lot on Forgotten Realms right now, that, you know, they're going to take the tour. They have this whole interconnected multiverse, and that's cool. But the fact that they're really committed to these smaller releases, like not every splat books all over every month, um, focusing on trying to put out more meaningful pieces. I like that they're listening to the feedback. Like, that's so huge. Oh, no one can finish their campaign in time. Well, let's make the, the level spread different and change the timing on it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, and and there's so much interaction. You know, following these guys on Twitter, like Chris Perkins. <laughs> like, there's so much fan interaction. There's so much back and forth. It's so cool to see really wizards like listening and that's the biggest thing that i got out of this podcast is they really are listening yeah it is it's great to see that that that's worked and that's sort of how fifth edition was forged right and they got this great product we did it (laughs) topher what about you what what things did you see in here that were surprising and that you were happy to read Uh, the whole future adventure section i found really interesting it was very interesting because i recently had a conversation with uh a owner of a local friendly gaming store about how he was happy that they weren't putting out the traditional modules like they did in you know, even in fourth edition because of the lack of on you couldn't tell them apart on a shelf right the, there was no spine to see right so I, I think Chris actually called it out specifically and I like that I did find it odd that they say shorter module adventures are being released through D and D Adventures League which is true you can play them but you have to go to a store to play them and they currently aren't available for the public to buy or acquire. Mm-hmm. Legally, at least. So I find that uh, interesting um, that they that that's their answer for shorter adventures is D Adventure League. Um, I think that the whole idea of using the Blizzard World of Warcraft model of they don't want to release smaller stuff along the way; they want to re- release behemoths. Uh, is telling on how the company has changed their mindset about releasing products for D and D, unlike uh, three point five or four, where they was you know. You know, guaranteed something every month almost. Uh, I think that that is um, an interesting change. I did also like the kind of offhand reference to maybe getting Ravenloft. <laughs> I um, like that too. Yeah, <laughs> that got a lot of buzz in the in the communities that I uh, frequent, and people took that as that's going to be our next world. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I like to talk that's about a little ambitious. That's a little yeah, enthusiastic perhaps. That's like not just reading between the lines. That's reading between the lines and writing your own stuff in, I think. But, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I like the fact that there's no dragon. So we're pretty, that pretty much tells that there won't be dragon lands as a, as a, as a world anytime yeah, soon. Whatever, whatever tope, whatever tope. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I, all in all, it's Chris Perkins at his best, I think. If you've ever listened to Chris give interviews, he gives you just enough that somebody can say, oh, well, he totally meant that we're going to do Ravenloft. Right. But in reality, Chris never says that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he doesn't even – it doesn't really insinuate it, really. <laughs> no. But that's just the way Chris presents information, which I enjoyed. I, I think this lets me feel like as a player and a lover of this game, and I think – and hopefully you guys agree that they are thinking ahead. 
that it's not just let's just pump out more Forgotten Realms material. That they're thinking outside of that Forgotten Realms box, and I that made me very very happy. So I, I am hopeful that over time we will get a cool quality Eberron or Ravenloft or who knows. He even mentions Mistar in there. I was thinking about Sam Dillon uh, because, you know, that, that man loves oh, Mistara. Sam. Oh, Sam. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, where's that DM Samuel at? <laughs> uh, so, Sam, hopefully we're thinking of you, man. Uh, uh, from our lips to Perkins' ears, you'll have some Mistara soon. Uh, Alex Basso. What about you? What were you happy and excited to read here? What was surprising? Uh, I mean, it's definitely great to just kind of see them again, lay out their plans, and just talk about how they, uh, you know, how they approach the whole thing. And yeah, you know, the Blizzard comparison is perfect. You know, they, it seems more like a big like game development company. You know, they they clearly plan out everything in ahead, and they have a lot, you know, of future stuff planned out. Uh, I really like, you know, just them talking about how. In, they want to do like an intrigue style, uh, you know, uh, adventure, which is like, I love that they're approaching every book now with like a new kind of play style and theme <laughs> every time. And that just makes me think for like, if I were to get into D and D, you know, imagine, you know, a new person getting into D and D like five years down the line, all these books, you know, they can just pick and choose like what style or, you know, obviously what's most interesting to them. And it, they're not missing out on uh, you know, did required reading or, you know, you, you need player's handbook one, two, and three. They're just, they can pick and choose everything. So it's great to see that they just, you know, everything has a theme. That's I feel a like really, that's a, way, a good way to approach it. That's a really cool point. You know, like they're building this library of different pieces that you can pick from. You know, like, oh, do you want this kind of stuff? Well, go over to this section. Oh, do you want this kind of experience? You can check this out. They're not, having this avalanche of products where, you know, someone wants to play the, the intrigue path, right. And check out those kinds of things. Maybe they can hit that story. And then other people that are interested in that, you know, this kind of goes back to the shared experience that they talked about. Oh yeah. I played that. What did you guys do here? You know, obviously in the old Splatbook era, which I guess, Hey, we're out of, look at that. <laughs> did that really happen? Wow. Um, <laughs> You know, that'd be so much harder to, to have that kind of common experience. But with the with the different genres that they're going towards, the different kinds of experiences and the and the mammoth versus the mice, right, as you referenced Topher, that seems really possible. Yeah, I mean it it's definitely possible and it it seems like it is doing very well for them. People are talking about D and D a lot. Um, you know, D and D is hitting major publications and uh it's gonna be part of the future of virtual reality um and you know i i think alex your point i've never really thought about it that way but yeah each adventure even the three different story arcs they've released so far are very different in tone and in what you do and the creatures that you come across and that kind of thing you know tyranny of dragons is all about fighting tons of dragons and action set pieces and and that kind of thing. And then, you know, Princes of the Apocalypse is intrigue mixed with a lot of dungeon crawling and that sort of thing. And then, you know, Rage of Demons is like horror meets weird, whimsical sort of fantasy. Um, so, yeah, it is. It, it Wow. You cracked the code, Alex Basso, and I didn't realize it. Cracked the code. Um, That's why everyone calls me Codebreaker. <laughs> uh, to that point. I don't. 
what do you guys think when you were reading this? Was there anything that you were disappointed or sad to read or that you were sad that was maybe left out of here? Tover? I think that one of the things that uh, bugged me slightly was the reference that the game at PAX, uh, which has now become what a D&D tradition is to watch Chris DM that game and and um, do that. It's going to be tied into Sword Coast Legend. Uh, and that gave me a little bit of pause of why. So are they trying to cross promote there? In the past, I thought they've really kind of used that as a um, as a way to promote the next season or the next story arc. And if they're going to use it to promote something in the video game, that kind of that threw me a bit and kind of made me go, huh? So well, maybe <laughs> I'm going I'm to go ahead and sort of play devil's nah, not devil's advocate. Maybe <laughs> the reason for that is maybe in the past they felt like they needed that extra push from the acquisitions incorporated sessions at Penny Arcade Expo for kind of getting more interest. But maybe they're seeing Sword Coast Legends. Um and I don't know, I guess I guess it got pretty good reviews, but maybe it didn't do the business that they wanted it to do. So they're trying to like, oh well let's get some more interest over here. We wanna really do big things with this video game and other video games going forward. So maybe they're trying to restore some faith. Maybe, you know, where do they need the push? I think that outside of the D and D community, I think the game got really good reviews. I think inside the community, there's there's been some questions about it and, and its gameplay, and they kind of, I think, uh, on the D and D VG podcast, they talk about how uh, it was almost a promised new version of Neverwinter Nights, and it's not quite that. It was so I, actually, but I won't I won't get super into detail there. I'm sorry. Um. But I think that it's. I, I think you're right. I think I think that's the the plan. And and, and I, I don't think that's bad. I just don't think that's what I want out of that game. I wanna, I wanna see Chris Perkins take on the next season that I'm gonna get to run or DM, or play. But maybe that's just me. Uh, what about you, Greg? Was there anything that you saw that you were uh, disappointed in or uh, weren't a fan of in this uh, podcast? No, not really. In general, I think it was pretty exciting um just kind of affirming the the strategy and the outlook of things that i love Mm -hmm. you know it's just the way they've been doing it Uh, i guess cloak and dagger are pretty lame code names (laughs) i mean really really that's the best you came up with but uh well they're just code names so (laughs) come up with a cool code name though i don't know but uh yeah, in general, I thought it was pretty exciting. I love, I love listening to him or reading about him talk, as the case may be. Chris Perkins, for a long time, Chris Perkins was the only name I knew mm-hmm. when it came to Wizards of the Coast and D&D. Like his uh, DM column that he used to write, that was, that was my RSS feed. I was like, oh, did it come up? Did he post a new one yet? Oh, here it is. He does a lot of good stuff from my point of view. I think it's awesome just to have him cranking stuff out. Like Topher said, he does leave a lot of room for uh, us to make stupid assumptions. <laughs> I think Topher said it a lot more nicely than that, but in general, <laughs> he lets us, gives us enough rope to hang ourselves thinking about different <laughs> things. So, no, I mean, I, I'm pumped, man. 
was there um, anything if, you you wanted to see that you didn't see? Well, like I said, I'm I don't try not to get too excited about different different campaign worlds and whatnot because I'm just trying to rest on the general hope that they'll make their way around the block eventually. I mean, yeah, okay, it's a lot of Forgotten Realms now, but it won't be later. You know, maybe it'll be Greyhawk or even Ravenloft or whatever. You know, we'll get there eventually. I'm feeling positive. That's good. It's good to feel positive. Uh, yeah, it's a nice change. <laughs> <laughs> Topher. I think we all just wanted him to say, and the next story arc will be this, and the next, <laughs> uh, and the first world after Forgotten Realms will be this, and we will stay in it for this long. That and is then true. just that's what we wanted. That is what I, that is exactly what I want. Please, but obviously we weren't going to get that, so you know. But that's yeah, what we all wanted, you, right? You called that already, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Alex Basso, what about you? Anything that you were disappointed to read or not read, as the case may be? Uh, I mean, I, I'll just agree. I just lay out the plans, right? That's that's the <laughs> fantasy. Um, I've gotten to the point now where whenever they give interviews, it's like nothing's really ever going to be confirmed. Unless it's you know very imminent on release, so yeah, don't expect the actual specifics for the long term plans. But it is you know at least a lot of fun speculating, right? <laughs> right? It does gives us plenty to talk about here on this podcast, which I am more than happy about, uh, and certainly plenty for our listeners to talk about as well. Listeners, please let us know. What do you think? What did you think about this article? Are you excited about what Chris Perkins has to say? What were you disappointed in? Do you want to hear more? Of course you do. That's why you're listening to a D&D news podcast. Let us know over at thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Just a special shout out to Big Jack Heart Attack for the awesome name and a challenge. Whoever's posting five-star reviews, I hope you bring your A-game and have a name as good as that. Because thank you. Big Jack Heart Attack. That's Big true. Jack does set the bar pretty high. I have to say that. It's, it's going to be t- hard to top Big Jack Heart Attack. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. Uh, if you want to use your regular name, that's also fine. But uh, but let's be real. Step up. Guys, I think that is going to do it for this week on the roundtable. Where can people find you on the internet, Greg Blair? Uh, I Twitter all the things a lot. Sorry. You can hit me up on Twitter at nts underscore qpop. That's me. <laughs> and where can people find you, Alex Basso? Uh, you can check me out at my Twitter. Uh, that's yo underscore Alex Basso, B-A-S-S-O. You can also uh, listen here on this on the Tome Show Network, where me, my brother, Greg, and uh, panelist Vegas Lancaster, we uh, review D&D video games in the podcast D&D VNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, yeah, the VNG stands for Vegas and Greg. Yep, I'll, I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> uh, somebody usually disagrees, but I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, and then uh, me and my brother, we also have a YouTube channel called Game O'Clock, where we put up videos about video games, which we're trying to update more and more. Awesome, and you guys should definitely check that out. What are you guys playing currently? Uh, right now we're playing a ton of Star Wars Battlefront. Just, uh, yeah, I'm crazy about Star Wars right now. I wonder why. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> uh, and Topher, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me over at the Twitters, uh, at Topher, A-T-L, T-O-P-H-E-R, A-T-L, or also at, uh, on Facebook, 
for uh, Topher Cohan, T-O-P-H-E-R-K-O-H-A-N. And if you live in the metro Atlanta area or visiting the metro Atlanta area of the holidays, uh, I help run D&D um, Adventures League at Titan Games and Comics in Smyrna, Georgia. So come check us out. We're there every Wednesday night and on the first Sunday of every month for sure. So go check it out. Good place. Play some D&D. Come up and say hi. Nice, nice. Well, everybody should go check out these panelists because they are three of the greatest human beings on the planet. All right, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at James Intercasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. You can check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening, and thanks to Alex Basso, Greg Blair, and Topher Cohan for being on the show. <laughs> Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup, and thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you are listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the roundtable.